Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. I'm Kylie Camps, owner of the kind parenting company, wife, proud mom of twin boys and happiness advocate. This podcast is a place for women who want more from life. It's your time to cultivate more self-care, compassion, happiness, love, and confidence. Let's have real conversations to help you feel better, choose better, and live your best life. Welcome to episode number six. Today, I'm taking a small risk by sitting down and recording this podcast right smack bang in the middle of the day. Normally, I don't dare to try and record anything until the kids are asleep late at night, but my boys are at school right now and it's not too noisy in our neighborhood, which is rare because there's lots of construction going on. But I thought, given today's topic, I'll just sit down and see if I can quickly get this podcast recorded. I'm super, super passionate about touching on these topics, and I just thought, you know what, let's just go for it. So this episode, I really want to touch on vision boards. Also, the one question I ask myself when I'm making any decisions, and that's anything from really small decisions to big life ones, and also just taking the plunge plus a few other bits here and there as well that have just been really, really popular on social media. And I thought, you know what, let's just whack them in a podcast. So first things first, I really wanted to touch on vision boards. I'm a huge, huge fan of them for many, many reasons. And often I'll mention or reference a vision board and I'll get questions about how and why and when should you do one. So I thought we'd just touch on that first. I've been using vision boards as a means of sort of, well, visualization, of course, but creating a physical representation of the things that I want to have in my life for about 12 years now. And the reason I first started creating a vision board was under the recommendation of a therapist I was working with because I was coming through recovery of an eating disorder and I was starting to get my life on track, but I was kind of feeling like I was in this sort of no man's land of, you know, I'm doing well, but I'm not excited about life and I don't really know where I'm going and I'm not super passionate about the job I'm doing and I'm just kind of floating and I just wasn't very appreciative of what I had in my life and I certainly did not have a clear vision of where I wanted to go. And I remember when my therapist suggested to me to create a vision board, I just thought, like, no, that sounds like scrapbooking and that's not something that I want to do. And I was also a little bit fearful because truth be known, I didn't have anything that I would want to put on a vision board. I didn't have a big desire. And that kind of made me feel a bit guilty and a little bit unworthy of even creating a vision board, because if you don't have a vision, how can you put it on a board? But my therapist said to me, we're just going to start very, very small. Just start by cutting out pictures, images of things that you like. So don't get caught up in going, oh, what career do I want to have? Or where do I want to live? Or what do I exactly want my life to look like? 
just choose things that you enjoy. And I think that that is a really, really good place to start. Now, the purpose of a vision board is really to allow you, like I said, to create that physical representation of the things that you want more of in your life and to allow you to gain some clarity as well as encourage you to regularly visualize yourself having that in your life. And I'm sure when I say the secret, many of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. There was a really, really well-known book called The Secret, and the basic premise of it was all about the law of attraction, or I should say is all about the law of attraction, which means that whatever you put out into the universe, whatever you believe you deserve and you want, the universe will reward you by giving that to you. And there's lots of parts of The Secret that I really, really like. But I also think that it's important to note that it's wonderful to think about things, but you also need to take action as well. I think that having a vision board is really, really good for planting the seed and also bringing your subconscious and conscious attention to what it is that you want. And if you keep your vision board somewhere that you can see it regularly, it is going to encourage you to take actions. But you can't let creating a vision board replace taking actions. And you can't just sit back and go, oh, you know what? I've thought about it. So now it's all going to happen. That's not how they work. How they work is to help you to gain clarity along the way and just to remind you of what you want. So I'm a really, really big fan of them. So I thought that I would just share with you about my personal experience with vision boards. So going back about 12 years ago, as I said, when my therapist at the time suggested I create a vision board, I really wasn't sure what to do or how to go about it. But I got myself a piece of black cardboard because at the time (laughs) everything was black, um, which really was probably a a reflection of how I was feeling. But I got myself a piece of black cardboard and one night I just sat down with some magazines and I started cutting out things I liked. Now, keeping in mind, I didn't have a clear vision for my life, but I was at least able to identify things that I enjoyed. So whether that was a certain color, a certain scenery, like I remember putting a picture of the beach on there um, because at this time I'd moved back in with my parents and I was really desperate to get back to living on the coast and be closer to a surf beach. Not that I can surf, I just enjoy surf beaches and a few other bits and pieces. You know, even I think I put on there just some makeup products that I liked. It was very, very basic. If I saw an image that I liked, I'd put it on there. If I saw a word that I liked or connected with, I'd cut it out and glue it onto my vision board as well. So if you're in the very starting stages of wanting to create your own board, or you could also create it digitally um, on a computer or a tablet, or you could create it in a journal, like a vision journal as well. But if you're in the very early stages and you're feeling overwhelmed because you have no idea what you want to put in this thing or on this thing, start small. If there's a word that you connect with, you know, it could be anything. It could be peace. You want more peace in your life or adventure. Just cut it out and pop it on your board because just starting the ball rolling, just getting into the habit of actually connecting with things that you like will help you to gain some clarity And I know for myself, that first sort of iteration of my vision board was really basic. But then the next time I updated it, I actually got a little bit more specific. And I can remember I added things like an image of Blake Lively with her dog. She had a little moodle that was called, I think, P. 
penny. And I just remember going, you know what? I really want a puppy. Like I really want a dog. I feel like that would bring so much joy to my life. And so there was this photo of Blake Lively with her blonde hair looking down at this puppy. And I thought, oh, that could easily be me. Like there is nothing stopping me from having a puppy if that's what I want. So that went on the vision board. I also cut out a photo of um, a woman's body that was fit, but not overly fit, definitely not sickly thin as I had been and not overweight. And I thought, you know what? Sure, I don't know anything about this woman, but she looks very balanced. And so I popped her on my vision board because for me, I didn't want to have any images of stick thin models like that just didn't, I didn't need that in my psyche. I also remember adding a picture of a hot air balloon. Now, I didn't have like a deep desire to go in a hot air balloon, but I saw an image of it and I thought, you know what? I would not be opposed to that. And that would be a life experience that I've not yet had the honor of doing. So I popped that on my vision board. I also remember adding an image of a male celebrity. I can't remember exactly who it was, um, but a good looking guy who had a cute baby in a baby carrier because I thought, oh, you know what? In my future, I actually think that I would probably still like to have kids. And I also cut out the word personal trainer. I cut out the word the word healthy. Just anything that that really aligned with what I was feeling at that moment. And what I want to share in particular about that vision board is I then put that vision board at the end of my bed and I wouldn't spend, you know, an hour staring at it, but every morning I would look at it. And I would run through the images and I would just think to myself, yeah, I deserve all of that. And yeah, I can imagine myself having that. I can imagine myself meeting a man and having children. I can imagine myself finally finding the perfect puppy for me. And I was so focused on it being a moodle, just like in that photo, like a golden colored moodle. And I can imagine going in a hot air balloon and At the time, I had thought I would probably want to complete my certification to become a personal trainer and just a few other little bits and bobs on there. And so I would look at it, I would take it in, and then I would move on. And for a good six to 12 months, that vision board sat in prime position and I would just do that every day, look over it. And before I would go to sleep at night, I'd look at it as well. You know, I wasn't deep, like I wasn't spending half an hour imagining every single thing and you absolutely could. But just by osmosis, just by being around it, I was absorbing what was on it continuously. And then fast forward about 12 to 18 months, I would say probably closer to 12 months, actually, if my memory serves me correctly, which it may not because mum brain is a real thing. But say roughly 12 months later, I had moved house. I had moved in with Matt We originally moved in as housemates and then realized after about two weeks that we were more suited to being in a relationship, but that is perhaps a story for another podcast. So I was living with Matt on the coast, closer to a surf beach than I had been, and one day I just pulled my vision board out. For some reason in the move, I had popped it back in my cupboard, probably because I was feeling really well and thinking, oh, I don't really need to look at this every single day, but I pulled it out of my cupboard and I laid it on my bed and I was just taking it all in and I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how many of the things that were on my vision board are now in my life. Like just the fact that I was living with Matt and in a relationship with this really handsome guy who just so happened to be a personal trainer at the time, which I thought was uncanny 
given that I'd put a PT on my vision board, you know, granted I was thinking I would do my certification, but when I was looking at it, I was like, wow, like I manifested having this personal trainer in my life, um, which is Matt. And I'm back living on the coast and we had gone on a hot air balloon the weekend before I pulled my vision board out. Matt had just surprised me by taking me. I had actually bought him a voucher for an experience so he could choose any experience he wanted to do. And one weekend he booked in the hot air balloon and obviously took me along too. So that was a tick. I had completed that. I also realized that my body was in a, in a place where I did look healthy and I was pretty balanced. So that was another tick. I also had a beautiful little puppy that was a moodle, a golden moodle. And just there were so many things on that vision board not the baby yet. (laughs) And I definitely don't remember putting twins on the vision board, but there was definitely enough on there that I thought, okay, this is more than coincidental. This has actually been a tool in enabling me to make decisions that map with the trajectory that I want to have. And I realized that it was effective. And then I thought, okay, if it can be this effective in helping me make these decisions and bring this into my life, this is a habit I'm going to keep up. And I've kept it up ever since then. Of course, I go through periods where I'm more concentrated on it and times that, you know, I might have six six months where I completely forget about looking at my vision board or adding anything to it. But in those moments where I'm feeling like I'm lacking direction or I'm lacking clarity or I just need to bring more into my life, turning to a vision board is the first thing that I do. And I just think it's a really good technique. I also know that a lot of people can feel a little uncomfortable when they're creating a vision board, but it can be entirely just for your own private use. You don't need to display it. You don't need to explain it to anyone. You don't need to justify it. You don't need to feel embarrassed about the things that you want to put on your vision board, whether they're super basic, like I said, when I began just cutting out words that you like, or whether they're really, really detailed and maybe super far from what you have right now. Do not be embarrassed. Take pride in cultivating a life that you want to lead. You have a right to, and I just find it really cathartic and really helpful. And one thing that I think is interesting as well when it comes to the power of visualization, and obviously there's so much info out there on the topic, but just one little tidbit that I wanted to add in is that there's an interesting study that was done by Psychology Today, and it tracked brain patterns. And now the study proved that for weightlifters, when they just think, when they just visualize lifting heavy weights, it activates the same area of their brain that becomes activated when they are actually lifting. So it is really, really powerful to use your brain to visualize what you want because it can, you know, impact areas of your brain that would be impacted if it really, really happened. And I just think that that's really, really exciting and really worth keeping in mind. And just quickly on the topic of vision boards, I also thought I would add in before we moved, before we took the leap to move our kids sort of an hour and a half, two hours away from where we were living, I had created a vision board to do with the lifestyle that we wanted. So I had pictures of palm trees and pictures of white cladded homes and just imagery of beaches like I just wanted to be closer to the beach because where Matt and I were we were still a good 40 minute drive which I know is short but for us it was just such a big focus and I created a vision board before we moved and then when we did finally move which I'm going to to touch more on the move later in the podcast 
when we finally started building down here, sorry, just before we started building, when we were still looking to buy some land and build a home, I created another vision board. And this vision board, I was very specific with. I had lots of images of exactly what I wanted in a home. And when I say exactly what I wanted, I don't mean such as, oh, I want this office chair or this desk or this bed. It was more like, I want to feel this way in this room. I want more of this in my life. And for me, it was like more peace, solitude, a sacred space, those sorts of things that I became really specific with on a vision board for our home. And it is crazy now um, comparing the vision board that I created for a house with exactly how our new home is. And of course, you know, I went out and I made, Matt and I went out and we made those decisions together to create this home. So it's not just by chance, but it allowed me to just envision what I wanted and to feel like I already had it in a sense and I already deserved it. I think when you feel like you deserve something and you feel worthy and you believe that you will have it, it just sets you up to actually receive it. And just on the topic of receiving, I think gratitude, gratitude is just so powerful. If you're not grateful for what you already have, often the universe won't reward you with more, which I know might sound a little, a little kooky to those who may not believe in all of the universe talk. But for me, I just think if you are deeply grateful for what you have, you then have space to allow more into your life. If you're miserable and you're resentful and you don't realize how good your life is right now, you're probably not going to make space or not feel worthy or ready for more in your life. And I think visualizing is just such an unlock to go, you know what, I deserve this and to make it feel tangible. So if you've never created a vision board or if you haven't done one in ages, set aside the time to do one and it can be an independent activity or you can do one with your family or with your spouse or your best friend or whatever, but just take the time and just remember that we have a right, we have an obligation and we have the luck to create the life that we want. Of course, there are so many things out of our control, absolutely, but We can control how we spend our thoughts and we can waste our thoughts being envious of others or being resentful or being grumpy, or we can spend our thoughts wisely and work on bringing more, more into our life of the things that we truly, truly want. Now, one other thing that I think is important about your thoughts is another study. I'm a bit of a study nerd, um, is one that I read on luck. And the reason I was searching for studies on luck was to do with a event that we had, I think it was last year or maybe the year before, because I had seen so many comments saying, you're lucky, she's lucky, he's lucky, I'm not lucky. And I just thought, oh, there's a disconnect between people thinking that everything is luck or nothing is luck. And I just think, and again, these are just thoughts and I could be entirely wrong, but I think that it's important to be grateful for what's in your life and also realize how lucky you are for what's in your life. And this particular study that I'm referencing was talking about taking two groups and one group believed they were lucky 
and another group believed they were unlucky. So they had these limiting beliefs. They just thought they're unlucky, whether they believed that their whole life or, you know, it was a recent belief, I don't know, but you've got group one, they believe they're lucky. Group two, they believe they're unlucky. Now they did questions with these groups inside and then sent them outside for a break. Group one, who believed they were lucky, most of them found a $50 note that had been planted. Group two, none of them found a $50 note that had been planted outside. And I just think that that is a very clear indication of if you think you're lucky, you will become luckier. And if you think you're unlucky, guess what? You probably are. Our lives are really, truly shaped and impacted by our... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot... We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thoughts. And I know like 10, 12 years ago before I started therapy and understanding and becoming self-aware, I really did believe that there was lucky people and unlucky people. I didn't know that you had the power to make yourself feel lucky. And even now it's something that I practice. Like say, for example, I get in the car and I get down the road and I forget something and it's at home, like the kids' lunches. I haven't done that yet, but just for example's sake or... One I have actually done is arrived at the gym and realized I didn't have either my earbuds or my water bottle or my towel. So then I make a decision to just drive home and grab it. And rather than going, oh, I'm so unlucky. I'm so stupid. This is so annoying. I say to myself, lucky, lucky I forgot that. There's obviously a reason. Like there's some sort of reason that I meant to turn around and go and grab it. It's the universe keeping me safe. Maybe I'm just not meant to be on the roads when I was planning on leaving the gym earlier, or maybe I just shouldn't have been in the gym at that time or whatever it is. I think if you just trick your mindset and change your thinking and just say, oh, lucky, like lucky that happened. It's a bit of an unlock because in life, we're going to have things all the time that could cause us to become frustrated or angry. And there's definitely a time and place for those emotions. But if you can go, oh, lucky and turn it around, I think it's a big gift and it can really set the tone for your whole day rather than becoming frustrated and angry and, you know, making the day a write-off. You just get in the habit of going lucky because you're never going to be able to change shitty things that happen. You can only change your reaction. And I think it's really powerful for your kids to see that as well. So now if I do forget something at home and I have the kids in the car, they don't see me get grumpy and pissed off. They just see me go, oh, well, lucky. We weren't meant to be on the road for that time. I'll just race home and get it or whatever it is. So particularly when you have kids, you are just an instant role model, whether you like it or not. There are always little eyes and little ears watching and listening. Now, just changing gears slightly from vision boards, I wanted to speak about the one method, the one thing, the one question I use to really help me make pretty much any decision in life, whether it's a big decision like moving house or an overseas holiday or decisions that are really small, like hanging out the washing or emptying the dishwasher at night. And that one 
question that I ask myself and I lean on a lot is all to do with what is the pain versus the pleasure. A few years ago, I remember a friend of mine saying to me, pretty much everything in life comes back to pain versus pleasure. And it was such a light bulb moment for me that it has stuck with me. And it really, really does shape a lot of my thoughts and actions. So the way that I interpreted that was everything in life that we decide to do, there is a pain versus pleasure. And sometimes it's really, really high and serious. And sometimes it's really, really low and not serious at all. But basically, any decision we make has a payoff. So to give you some more scope, I guess, start with a small decision. The decision to hang out the washing at night may be a bit of a pain point because I'm tired. I don't like doing things at night. I always sort of wind down. But the pleasure of waking up the next morning and not having to squeeze that into my morning routine or my busy morning and having more time to spend with the boys outweighs the pain of getting up off my butt and hanging up the washing. Same again with unpacking the dishwasher at night. The pain slash inconvenience, because it's not a deep pain, it's more of an inconvenience, but we'll just use pain as the overriding term. The pain of unpacking the dishwasher and also putting the dog's breakfast on a plate and being organized for the next morning is really minor compared to the pleasure it brings me to start my day with very little resistance. And if you haven't listened to my podcast on mastering your morning routine, definitely jump over after listening to this one and listen to it. I go much more in depth there. But pain versus pleasure is just such an easy and systematic and logical way of making decisions. And, you know, same thing again, is the pain of going on a holiday, like a long haul flight with a baby worth the pleasure of making those memories. And for everyone, we have a different scale. For some people, it's a yes. For some people, it's a hard no. And there's no right or wrong answer. But I think just keeping in mind the whole pain versus pleasure concept can really, really help you to make decisions. And also to stand by your choices as well and to accept any minor pain or inconveniences because you've already weighed it up in your mind and you know that there's going to be a greater reward for what you're putting in, if that makes sense. I also have noticed in this day and age with Google at our fingertips, we are all often getting the answers that we want very, very quickly. And we've become used to getting what we want and also getting the best of everything. You know, often people will send me direct messages on Instagram and they'll say, I really want to help my baby sleep, but I really can't commit to following a plan. And now I just think it's so important to be aware that in life, we can't always have exactly what we want without putting in some work. So is the pain of following a program of implementing whatever it is you need to implement worth the pleasure of your little one sleeping? I think that we've probably all just gotten used to having everything at our fingertips and not realizing that in in life, a lot of decisions, in fact, most decisions have a slight negative or a slight positive and vice versa. So That was just a quick one, but I thought it was worth touching on because that whole pain versus pleasure really, really changed the way I think and process. And speaking of processes and also direct messages on the gram, I often get asked how Matt and I come to a solution if we both have differing opinions. And normally this is asked about, 
If you and Matt have a different opinion on parenting, how do you come to a solution? And Matt and I are both kind of logical. He's definitely more logical. I would say I'm far more emotional than he is. But we both do really like systems that make our life easier. And so we have a bit of a system, and that is when we both have differing opinions, which happens frequently because we're different people, we kind of rate things out of 10 on a scale of one being not very important to me and 10 being absolute, the most important thing. This is like my hard line. This is very, very, very important to me, and I can't compromise on this. Now, what we do then is we will have a conversation and we'll share. He'll talk about his reasoning. I'll talk about my reasoning. We have a conversation, open dialogue, actually listen to each other. I think in communication these days, so many people are just waiting to talk and they're not really listening. And I've certainly experienced this the last six months in particular (laughs) with going through like a house build and a rebrand and just so many things that are important to us. Really noticing when people actually listen versus when people just wait for their turn to talk. So really listening to each other and then we'll rate it. So I'll say, look, for me, this is like a four out of 10. It's important to me, but I'm not going to lose sleep over it if we don't fold in my favor. But if he says to me, this is an eight, then I have to go, oh, okay, it's that important to you. You win this round. And the key is when you're having clear communication is to not want to one up your partner by both going, it's a 10, it's a 10, when really it's not. You have to be honest with yourselves. Otherwise, that whole rating system doesn't really work. But it's been really, really effective for Matt and I. And I think for a lot of men, that rating system is helpful because they do like to solve problems and they're often solution orientated and they're not as emotional as us sometimes. So having that clear, you know what, it's a 10 out of 10 for me, or it's only a two out of 10. It just allows you to scale each other's values. And it also allows one of you to be the hero. It allows one of you to say, oh, I didn't know it was that important to you. But now that I know, let's compromise in your favor. And that's a really nice thing to do. And again, I think it's something that you would do naturally in the start of a relationship. But as you become more comfortable with each other, um, you often, you don't want to fold. And sometimes it, it comes more from a place of resentment and anger around other issues. But if you just focus on the one issue at hand, the one thing that you have a differing opinion of, that system can be helpful. Of course, it's not going to be the magic bullet and it's not going to solve every conflict. And you may sit down and go, oh, it's both a 10 out of 10 for us. And you think, oh, this isn't helpful, but at least it opens the dialogue and then you can understand how important it is for one another. And I just think in moments of conflict, it's good to have that scaling system that you can turn to once you've both calmed down. If you have gotten to a point where you're both really angry and you're feeling like all of your emotions are heightened, bank it, leave it for another day if you can, and then meet when you're feeling much calmer and much more likely to listen and be honest. And I think just remember as well in parenting in particular, but in all relationships, you're always going to have differing opinions, but coming together as a team is what's most important. And I think it's important, not just for you as a unit, as a partnership, it's important for your whole family that mum and dad are on the same page. And it's often not something that's spoken about because before you have kids or when you're pregnant, you might say to one another, 
I really want to raise my son or daughter, our baby, to be respectful. And I want to raise my baby to have confidence. And all of these things, which are great goals to have, but we all have a unique roadmap on how we believe is the best way to get there. And that roadmap is imprinted in our brain, usually from our own childhood, and often it is flawed. But basically what I mean is you and your partner can both have a plan to raise a respectful child, but your partner might think that means smacking and yelling, whereas you might think that may mean very strict attachment parenting. So just being really, really clear about the specifics. It's great to have those conversations ongoing. We want our son and daughter to be respectful and confident and motivated and all of that. But have a little conversation about what are the stepping stones that you want to use to get your little one there. And speaking of getting there, I'm just going to shift again to my last little topic that I wanted to touch on in this podcast. I know it's been a bit of a jumble of thoughts um, and concepts, but hey, let's just go with it. I wanted to end on just sharing with you the conversation that Matt and I had a couple of years ago before we finally made the leap to move to our dream area. And if you followed for a while, you can probably tune out now. You probably don't need to hear this because I'm sure you've heard it to death, but I thought it was worth recording in a podcast because if you haven't heard it, it may be helpful for you. So for years and years and years, like before we had kids, Matt and I really, really wanted to move to a certain area of the coast. It was like our goal area. It was where we would always go for vacations, weekends away. It's where Matt proposed to me on the beach. It just always had a special place for us. If I ever got into a bit of a funk back when I was still in recovery, it was a place that Matt would just pop me in the car and bring me down for a day trip. And it always made me feel better. It's just a soothing place to us. And we always, always wanted to raise kids here. And then, you know, six months before our wedding, we found out we were pregnant with twins and it was a massive surprise. We weren't planning on it. So not that we had any specific plans in place, but we weren't really planning on having kids in 2013. We were planning on waiting a bit longer. But before we knew it, we had our twin boys and it just felt like it was further away than ever before that we would ever be able to raise them where we wanted to raise them. Purely because Matt was working six days a week. He was working, you know, an hour and a half from home, but in the other direction. I was at home full time with the boys. We were on one wage. We were managing, but we certainly didn't think that we would be able to move where we wanted to move. It just seemed so out of our reach and hard. And any times we had thought of renting out our current home and going to rent where we wanted to live, everyone would tell us, that's not smart. Don't do that. That's silly. You've got your own place. You know, it would be crazy to sell your house. It would be crazy to rent it out. It's crazy to go and rent somewhere. And those beliefs infiltrated our way of thinking. And we'd take that on board and we'd go, oh yeah, you're right. We're crazy. We're paying, you know, we're paying off a mortgage. We shouldn't go and rent somewhere. We should just sit tight. And we would just always be in this vicious loop of the same sort of thoughts. We would go to the beach or we would go down there for Christmas. We would go on a holiday and then we'd come home and we'd feel really, really sad about where we lived. And we also just felt like we didn't fit in there. And we would also just go around the same cycle of thinking, we really, really want to move. Let's make it happen. Oh, like logistically, it's too hard. It's just too hard. We shouldn't do it. It's not the right timing. Um, You know, just every 
every single excuse. We were fairly close to family, like not super close, but 45 minutes ish. It just didn't make sense on paper to take that leap, rent out our home and move further away from Matt's work, further away from our support network and rent somewhere. Until one day, it was actually one night, Matt and I were having a conversation and we just put the boys down to bed and I said to him, and I think it was because we had seen on the news or I was reading a book or something, something made me think about death as a parent. And I said to Matt, you know, if something happens to me, if I get hit by a car, if whatever happens, if tragedy strikes, please, please, please promise me you will pack the kids up and you will go and live where we want to live. You will give them the life we wanted to give them and you will raise them in our dream town. And he said the same thing. He said, oh, same, you know, if something happened to me at work, do the same thing, do whatever it takes to get down there and give the kids the lifestyle that we always envisioned giving them. And I just looked at him and I was like, this is mental. Why would we wait for tragedy to strike before we actually live a life that we really, really want to live? I can remember the moment, like I got, I got up off the couch and I was just saying to him, this is crazy. Why? Why would it take me dying for you to go and live how we want to live or vice versa? This makes no sense. That is it we are moving. And he was the same. He stood up and he just said to me, you're right. This is madness. If that is so important to us, if that is what we want and we keep coming back to that, let's make it happen. You know, don't worry about everyone's opinion. We will, we'll, we'll sort it out. It'll be okay. And so the next day he went off to work and I started packing. And I remember during the boy's first sleep of the day, I just started packing. And one of my girlfriends came over that afternoon for a play with her little one And she was like, what are the boxes all about? And I said, oh, we're moving. And she said, where to? And I said, I don't know exactly yet, but we are moving. And I don't know exactly when, but we're going to make it happen. And we started looking for rentals. And, you know, we just started blowing the excuses out of the water. Yes, there would be pain points. It would be hard to be further apart from family. And it could be hard. Well, it would definitely be hard for Matt to drive so much further to work. But again, we leaned into the whole pain versus pleasure. Is the pain of that worth the potential pleasure? And we made the decision that it would be. And I can honestly tell you now, hand on my heart, every single day since we moved down, we moved to where we wanted to be, every day, Matt and I look at each other and we'll say, how good is it? This is the best thing we ever did. We took control. We didn't necessarily do what was smart on paper. But we did what was smart for us and what lit us up and made us super, super happy and what felt like our North Star, what was right to us. And it wasn't instantaneous. I can't remember exactly from that day that I started packing to the day that we moved how long it was, but it was pretty quickly. I just kept chipping away at packing. I also started applying for rentals. We would just show up at the open home, see what was there, get a feel for the place, If there was an open home for a rental that I thought could be a potential fit for us, I was going down before the open home to knock on the door, meet the neighbors, again, visualizing myself being there and also just doing my due diligence. Like, is this a good fit for us? And then I would be ready to apply with a cover letter and an application filled in, ready to go. And it was honestly, like I said, the best thing we ever did for us as a family, for us as a couple and for us as individuals, we have never been happier. And that all 
just came from a conversation about, hey, if something bad happened, do X, Y, Z. And I think it's really, really sad that it could take a tragedy or a near-death experience to go out and really, really live. And I think it's just really, really important to remember that none of us are guaranteed anything other than the fact that one day we will die. So why are we not living like that? Why are we not choosing to live on purpose and fill our lives with as much value and happiness as possible? I think we all just get so caught up in the mundane and the ho-hum and other people's expectations or other people's opinions, but you have to free yourself from that. So think about it, you know, if I did have a near-death experience, what would I do differently? If I had a near-death experience and I had a second chance, how would I live in a different way? So I will end today's podcast there. I really, really appreciate you listening in. If you enjoyed this podcast, jumping over to my Instagram account and leaving a comment means the world to me, as does subscribing and leaving a review. I just, I really, really appreciate you allowing me into your home via your earphones, via your phone, via social media. So thank you very, very much. And I will chat with you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.